Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Good Friday afternoon, a warm welcome from all of us here at Ausbiz. This is The Call, 10 companies picked by you, two expert guests, all in the space of an hour, plus a stock of the day. Friday, the 29th of October, I'm Nadine Blaney. A warm welcome to those of you watching us on Twitter and YouTube, given it's a Friday. Now, our two expert guests on today's show, here for the full 60 minutes. In studio, Rudy Philippic van Dyke from FN Arena. Looking good, Rudy. I look taller. That, that <laughs> my chair was too low. I am taller. And uh, from Canberra, I believe that's where he is, Claude Walker, a rich life. We look forward to seeing you when we can, Claude. Listen, these guests, as many of you know out there, if you're a regular viewer or you listen to the podcast, which I know is how a lot of you out there do consume this program, you'd be familiar with the fact that Rudy and Claude can get a good chat going, so I'm not going to waste any time off the top. Time for our stock of the day. Frontier Digital Ventures. So the ticker code is FDV. It shares today continuing to march higher after a very solid third quarter result yesterday. Quarterly revenue surging 248% on the previous year. Earnings more than tripling. The company approaching the cash flow break-even milestone and it's relatively cashed up to fund future growth. Not only are activity levels rising, but there has been a swing toward online auto and real estate transactions as well. Look at that share price spike. So are the gains already baked into the price? I'll start with you, Rudy Philippek van Dyke. Um, Morgans is the only broker mm. that I've seen that covers Frontier Digital Ventures, which is like classified, online classified for property primarily, but in far-flung places like Pakistan. Yes. Uh, it's headquartered in yes. uh, Malaysia while it's ASX listed, um, but its CEO, you know, has pedigree in the space. Yes, but my, my, my main, I wouldn't call it concern, but my main, my main negative with this company remains that on paper it looks all very exciting and it's, it's all international operations, but each of those operations is actually quite small in their own right. And that means that uh, while in the good times, yes, you can report 200 and, and more percent increases, but that can also go really quickly the other way, simply because those operations are quite small. And I would, um, so for that reason in itself, I would, I would still treat this company with, with some caution. Um, I mean, small cap stocks, uh, they, they, they do can swing around a lot. And if you would take a long term view on the price chart, you will see that volatility is not just a word. It's something that, that pops up in that share price every once in a while. I mean, of course, after after market update like today, it's everyone can get quite excited about it. You see that in the share price, but medium to longer term, I still I still have my question marks around here, simply because this is still a relatively young business. So I would, and, and also in in the, in the macro perspective, um, I can't help but think that um, 
we will we will get a period when we will get a lot of more volatility going on at some stage again and volatility for small cap stocks uh, can mean that the share price could actually fall quite a lot in in the short term um so i i mean it's okay the way things are going today but my preference lies with with with, with larger sized businesses with a with a with a longer term track record i would here not chase the stock thank you would you look to invest in an rea or a domain yes um not in domain rea yes car sales yes seek yes car sales um, was out with an update as well today yes i haven't checked on its share and, price and, and the share price is down a little bit i think but i mean the underlying uh forecast is for strong growth and um when a company like car sales says we expect strong growth um you can take that uh, as, a, as a very positive and the share price is is not not looking cheap not looking cheap, $24.97, yes, down by 2% yes. on the back of that result. But we digress, that's car sales. Let's get back to Frontier Digital Ventures. Claude, is Rudy just being overly cautious? I mean, this is a company that is making some moves in, yes, smaller markets, but markets where you are seeing you know, a demographic shift, you could say. And you know, you can't avoid all small caps, so I guess you could, but is Rudy likely to miss out on growth? I mean, through his aversion to small caps, generally, I'm sure he will miss out on some few few winners, but I guess that's part of his strategy because um, he also reduces risk doing that. So that's totally legitimate. Uh, when it comes to actually frontier developments, um, I, I guess I could add a, a few little different perspectives um, from what Rudy has said. So I think the first thing we've got to remember is that even though I guess frontier developments is a reasonably young business, some of the uh, companies that it actually owns shares in are actually quite, or, you know, it owns part of, are actually quite old. Like, for example, it owns 37% of a company called Packwheels, which according to, uh, you know, Packwheels' own website was founded in 2003. So to me, you would have expected these kind of businesses to be uh, pretty mature already. Some of them, like I checked out a, a, a in preparation for this, I checked out a bunch of the, the sites, and you know, there's there's plenty of products they have or, or companies they're invested in. It's all on, online classifieds, right? But they're online classifieds websites in, um, you know, overseas, and many of them exi have existed for ten years already. And as a cumulative exercise, their businesses are only just sort of approaching break even. And I guess that was the the news today that was positive is that the company continues to, um, you know, build towards being a bit uh, prof profitable. And also that a lot of, the, in a lot of those um, jurisdictions where it's operating businesses are, there has been a bit of a, a downturn due to, to COVID and now that we're coming out of that. So there's reason for optimism. And um, having said that from memory, these guys have a market capitalization of around 570 million dollars and you've got you know in order to justify that various businesses all around the world um they're in this classified space and i think there's something really important for australian investors to remember which is that australia is unusual in that it has car sales rea group and seek that are such roaring successes it just so happens in australia that our big online classifieds companies really did get a stranglehold on the market, each of them, which is why Rudy there is, I imagine, 
looking to go for the number one player in this space because that's the one that's going to have the best economics. And it hasn't always worked out like that in different markets in different countries. So I think that probably a lot of the investor excitement about um, Frontier Developments is that you can just get one or two of these amazing businesses um, in there and, and maybe that would justify their price. And maybe that would. And, and maybe that is actually going to be the ultimate outcome for this company. So I wouldn't discard it completely. But I also think that, um, I guess, the cynic in me thinks that perhaps the valuation will be a bit high on the ASX as a result of the success of these other companies. Okay. So this is not one that you would be investing in today? I think it's one that you could consider if the share price got really smashed out and down. But this has been a bit of a favorite um, of various different people just because there is an exciting blue sky story and yep. as a result of that yeah it's just probably too high priced for me got it thanks claude let's get on to the companies that our our uh, audience has written in about Moreg is asking about mnf group my net phone uh look rudy hmm. the fy21 result came in at the top end of guidance um but it is seeing a decline in some parts of its business. However, seeing margins improve. So how do you weigh it all up in terms of my net phone? The MNF Group story is, is, is actually about selling the, the non-exciting low margin business, which they did, and then obviously keeping the higher margin wholesale, more exciting part of the business. Because for, for people who are unaware, we, and, and not many people would be aware of this, because it's a, it's a bit of a funny company. I mean, if you look at the daily volumes in the shares, I mean, I always look at it and think like, how can how could small cap uh, fund managers get in here? I mean, um, I guess getting in is easier than getting out. Um, but the volumes can be quite really, really low on, 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 on occasion. And that's, for me, one of the main reasons why, why uh, I'm not in, in, in the stock. The other reason is that, and history tells you this as well, when a company like this sells the non-exciting part of the business, and so you do get higher margins for the existing part of the business, a re-rating takes place. And that re-rating has taken place over the past few months. So the share price has really trended higher. But that process now has run its course. Mm -hmm. And um, I think um, this company has not been um, performing according to uh, forecast um, all the time over the past few years, and that's, I'm, I'm putting it nicely here. They have had their, their, their share of disappointments. Um, so I wouldn't chase it here. Um, also, because it is a relatively small company, um, if they do come out with, with a, a disappointing performance at one stage, the share price can get a lot lower, also because it is such a low volume stock. So I would here think that if you want to get on board, it's a bit late here for the time being, but it doesn't mean that mean that, that they can't grow. The, they will probably grow their business further, but they will have to prove more here than simply sell the non-exciting part of the business. Got it. All right, let's go to Claude on MNF Group for more ag. Claude, uh, look, Rudy didn't sound overly excited about this one. Do you paint a better picture, more exciting future? Uh, definitely, yeah. So this actually has echoes of the last time uh, Rudy and I discussed the stock. And he had, we had a good discussion, I think, with David at the time about the idea of a lobster pot, um, which, which is definitely what Rudy's saying here. 
However, that, that's probably true for fund managers and stuff like that. For a smaller individual uh, investor, I've never had too much trouble getting in and out of the M&F group, which I still own shares in to this day. Now, uh, I, I'll give you the high-level reason of why I uh, think it's an interesting company for people to keep on their watch list, which is that their international wholesale segment and domestic wholesale segments, which is the, the better parts of the business that Rudy was referring to, well, the reason that the domestic part is is a better business is because they're basically um, they're supplying the connectivity to all other like smaller telcos that that want to start a little telco brand, and those businesses are typically not the best businesses, and some succeed and some don't. But they always pay M um, and group along the way. So, as you have this um, ecosystem of competition and success and failure, M and F group is always making money there the whole time. Now, the international stuff is also very interesting, uh, not least because MNF provides connectivity or, or some sort of connectivity services to a lot of those large, um, you know, companies indeed like Skype, if you're going to call a mobile phone from Skype. And, and also, I can't remember now, uh, I think it's, it's either Slack or Zoom, I think I believe it is, and, and some of these big players. So you've got a mega trend there that is going to continue to grow, uh, allow them to grow this business over time. Of course, yes, it has had some ups and downs over the years, especially in those last five years, it's been quite bumpy. Now, I've held shares that for that entire ride, would you believe it? And um, I've bought and sold a little bit along the way. And at the moment, I have a fairly small position in the stock, um, unfortunately, I guess, because I, I think I took some off quite a bit lower than the current share price. But I still hold some just because I do believe that this is a really interesting, um, fairly high-quality business that will perform well over the very long term. Um, it's just going to be volatile along the way. Now, at the moment, I have to say that my expectation is that the, the full year results of the company may come in a little bit below where the consensus um, estimates are. And if that's the, if I'm right, if I'm right, I think that these guys are going to disappoint soon on on results. Now, I might be wrong, and and that's why I'm still holding some shares, but. Um, I think that the share price has probably run a little bit ahead of itself, but either way, it's a good quality company. And so I'm not going to call it a sell, I'll just call it a hold. Well, your money where your mouth is, and uh, I don't expect you guys to agree all the time. We wouldn't have a market, would we? Rudy, why are you laughing? Please I'm, I'm laughing because Claude's expecting them to disappoint in February, but he does hold the shares. <laughs> yeah. That's that's it having yeah, a double bet right. here. That's it right having a reply, double bet. <laughs> No, no, Rudy's dead right. And that's why I was saying I decided to have a small holding now. So that's sometimes what I do is if there's a company that I really admire and respect, but I just think it's overvalued, is I can't bring myself to sell all my shares. So I will sell out a fair few and then I'll hold on to it uh, just just because um, I want it to be front of mind. I want it. I, look, I write about M&F Group every time it reports. So you can find, if you Google my name and M&F results and stuff, you're going to find probably... Um, my, my view on it over the last few years, just because I think it's a great stock to, to cover, but I do have to admit to Rudy that, um, yes, I do agree that it's reasonably expensive at the moment. Reasonably expensive, that's good. what the takeaway is for you, Morag. Uh, thanks, Claude, thanks, Rudy. Remember, this is information only. It's not for your own personal circumstances, so you do need to, to do your own research and potentially get advice. Let's go to the next company on the list, Conan for Troy. And he's looking for a view because, yes, this market darling is now down nearly 50%. It's, um, he's questioning whether it's looking cheap on forward earnings, 
perhaps he's saying, are forward earnings in doubt? It has been dropping since the CEO. But uh, Tony Wright, surely the CEO retiring is not the reason for the fall. Uh, Claude, tell us what you know about Coden and your interpretation of why we're seeing the share price get hammered. You dropped that slightly then, but I think I understood what you just asked. And uh, so, Akodan, I think we were talking about this not long ago, or yeah. I was anyway, uh, with you. And I think at the time I was saying I've underestimated it consistently, yeah. right? But I still couldn't go, I still couldn't say, oh, it's going to be fine um, at the prices it was current, it was trading at, which was close to the close to the highs there. So I think real, reality is with this business is it's not a recurring revenue business. It's not... Um, a software as a service business where you can probably expect that in a bad year it'll stay flat it does you know have to sell its top-end gold detectors which are high margin things and um you know as they have um a good boom in demand they get operating leverage their their profits go up massively and then the market can extrapolate that and that's how you get that massive share price and you can even see how in the past they've had these run up and then it comes down run up and then it comes down and that is the cyclical nature of this kind of business. When you have a good season, when you have great demand, the operating leverage kicks in, you make higher profits. When that unwinds a bit, profits can go down again. And that's why you get this um, this sort of these big drops and these big rises. Now, for a really long-term holder, that hasn't mattered at all. They've done really well. And the reason they've done really well is that these guys clearly have fantastic IP in their gold detector business that makes them able to sell, you know, premium equipment at high margin. And um, I don't think that that's changed by the fact that um, the, the the market, you know, isn't isn't as excited about the, um, the 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 near term future, which is sort of my understanding of, of why the the share price came down lately. Yeah. Um, so, Claude, is sorry. I'm just going to move us along a little bit. Um, is yeah, is then this price fall, you know, your opportunity to get into this company that you com completely underestimated in the past? Well, it might well be right. So, um, it's definitely one on the top of my watch list. I haven't I haven't formed that view yet. No, because basically this only started dropping a couple of days ago in in earnest, right? And it's been on a bit of a downtrend. So, there's no rush for me because. When you have these cyclical things, it's not like it's not like um, you know there's a sudden buy the dip and it rebounds. It's like there'll be there'll be a period, right? And we're going to we're going to wait for the next few results, and then if they disappoint, you, you can have the sentiment go lower. But yes, now is definitely the time to put this on your watch list. It's definitely on my watch list now. It's one that I'll be um, watching closely over the next um year let's say i okay. think or even six months right. is probably when you're going to get the best opportunity in my opinion um but yeah i do still think that the long term this business is a decent business okay <laughs> let, let, me, let me try to get more than one stock in today's broadcast <laughs> listen i think everyone was scratching their heads because the share price had already come down quite a lot and mm -hmm. then it then it basically gets dumped um i've i've looked at the analysts who actually covered this stock they were left mostly scratching their heads yeah. as well but the suspicion is that they they have been extremely cautious in their in their outlook and 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 the market has taken that badly because when management is extremely cautious it might mean all else being equal that they know more internally than we know on the outside and maybe things are not that fantastic 
their outlook implies that all the growth for the for this half comes from acquisitions mm -hmm. so organically zero growth now some analysts think that management is being too cautious here but nevertheless that's what management has expressed and that's what the market has taken as a negative so if you believe that and management is too cautious here and that they will get new contracts and, and that uh, gold miners will continue yep. uh, buying their, their equipment, then of course this would be a buying opportunity. But I think a sidestep as well, the reason why I sometimes say be careful with some of those small cap stocks is this is particularly the reason why. The company hasn't done necessarily anything wrong, but the share price is down a lot. Mm -hmm. And that is the risk, unfortunately, that you run with companies of this size, because if this were let's call a few other ones, REA Global Car Sales, it wouldn't be down this much. Okay, so would you look at this opportunity or as a buying opportunity? Since it's down that much, I would, yes. That's a buy coming from Rudy for you, Troy, on Coden. Uncasol Medical, OSL, this is for Eliza, Claude, global medical device company focused on oncology. Uh, so it's microparticles to be used in combination with chemotherapy. What do you think of Oncosil and its opportunity? So I, I guess that there's um, some, so basically, you know, good on these guys. They basically have a business where they're trying to improve outcomes for uh, pancreatic, pancreatic cancer patients um, with, with by like having, getting phosphorus right in there to, uh, to help the, them defeat the cancer. Um, look, they have, uh, they're moving towards, I guess, being able to commercialize this device. But as a result of that, there's still extremely high risk. So I guess I can save a little time on this one by just saying, I actually don't have the technical qualifications necessary to have any ability to understand whether this is a treatment that doctors will prescribe. Because remember, there's one question is whether they're allowed to sell this thing. And then the second question is, are doctors going to go for it and tell their patients you need to use this? And then you have the question of whether they can make money and how much. So I don't, I can't do a risk weighting of what that, whether that's going to happen because I don't have the medical science background to understand this. So for me, it's just easy to avoid this because there's nothing, there's no, there's no advantage I can have. I can't add any insight and mm -hmm. neither can most people. And you get a lot of these, you know, companies that sell the dream and then the person buying the dream has no idea how to value that dream and then they can overpay and then they lose money like shareholders have over the last year. So I will avoid it for that reason. Not saying it's a bad company, it may well succeed, but I'll be avoiding it until it gets some success. Chart's not looking great though, Rudy. No, I, I, I thought at what point am I going to point at the chart? Um, usually when you see a chart like that, it doesn't mean it's a great, it's a great investment. Um, the other thing that Claude accurately says, it's extremely high risk. Uh, also because the track record in the past has been one of disappointments of uh, board upheaval, of delays in everything that, that they've been doing. It doesn't mean that you can't put a high risk proposition like this in your portfolio, but you have to realize it's high risk and you have to realize what moves the share price and that is further progress on everything uh, they're, they're developing. And on the outside, we have no control over that. Mm -hmm. But I would in general, general think a share price chart like that, for me, it's, uh, it doesn't excite me at all. And I would, from experience and from observations, I know that more money goes lost in the share market in trying to put some money in those stocks that don't look great at all, and then 
keeping the fingers crossed and hoping for better. Mm -hmm. There are easier ways of making money in the share market. All right. Much easier. Too hard basket is what I'll take away from that one. Let's get to the next company on the list. This one is for Ben. Thanks, Ben. I hope you're listening or watching. IOOF Holdings, IFL City. I think today mm -hmm. is uh, on uh, one of you first, Rudy. There's your hint. Uh, upgraded it. Says that there could be yes. potential further synergies coming. Lots of moving parts. It says it's quite a complicated picture it when is. it comes to IOOF, it which is. we know. But said there might be some long-term value if you can look through the short-term noise. Uh, and, uh, and that is probably accurate, but I can't get excited about this one. Not um, even if it name it, it changes its name to Insignia Financial? I uh, know, exactly. No, there's probably a reason why they want to change names. It's like Facebook. They, they want to get rid of all the bad press. Meta. Uh, they want to get rid of all the bad press. Listen, uh, this is a sector where you have essentially two great performers, NetWealth and, and uh, Hub24, yeah. and they are literally shooting the lights out. Both management teams they think they have at least two to three years of ongoing very strong growth. Then the only question then becomes how much do you pay for those for those shares? But thus far, shareholders are literally sitting on, on the gold mine. Mm -hmm. This is the value proposition in the sector. Right? For people like myself, very unexciting. Uh, it would score very badly on ESG and, and uh, because it has a quite a questionable practices that at one stage got uh, at one stage yeah. uh, got to the fore and 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 old Menendez, the stockbroker is, is out now the one thing I, I i think i need to point out here is that they did buy mlc from nap and they did buy uh, the, uh, the activities from from anz bank now in particular the anz operations they were not putting it very, very, very mildly, they were not the best performer in, in the local funds in the industry sector. Those businesses do not become all of a sudden great businesses because they have a different owner. Um, so I'm not surprised that IWF management has constantly has to tell the outside world it's going to take longer. And yes, we are losing funds and we are losing uh, advisors. And that doesn't come as a surprise to me at all. So it may well be that this is a value proposition. But I also think that uh, people banking on that w might have to be patient for longer. Claude, is this a father-in-law stock if you look at value and its long-term prospects? Mm, not if you love your father-in-law. Um, <laughs> the, the, um, everything Rudy said is exactly correct except he was too nice as usual and or at least as usual about the big companies. He saves the real digging in for the little ones but that's um, gonna be fighting words if you're in studio i think <laughs> no no it's just it's look he makes some great points all i'll add is i think i was reading their recent update and you know they of course they're talking about their funds under management outflows and then there's the there was the somewhat forlorn statement that in in one of their businesses outflows were were looking at um they they were showing signs of stabilizing you know that is just definitely not what you want to be reading um, about a funds management company. If they're getting outflows, it means probably that they or their clients feel that they're not getting good value for money with that funds manager. And the way that this usually works is um, if one person's not getting good value, then probably no one is. And the reason that that doesn't immediately end the business is because everybody will have a different tolerance for not getting great value with that fund manager. So some people will do it straight away. Some some investors are long gone from my, from from these guys. Others are taking longer, but the trend is clear. So 
it's just it's not it's definitely um, the antithesis of what I look for. I look for growing companies almost exclusively um, when I'm investing. So that's an, a hard no for me. Hard no for IWF Holdings. Ben, take that to make of it what you will. Last one before we have a little bit of a reset and take a look at the fantasy portfolio is Reliance Worldwide. Talk about a market darling. I mean, it's updated just recently. It's had broker upgrades off the back of that this week. I believe that the share price is up yet again today. One of the better performers out there. Uh, seems to not be able to put a foot wrong, Rudy, because of demand in the U.S. Even, even Credit Suisse, for one, saying that margin compression will persist due to cost pressures, mm. shipping, freight, energy, raw materials, but it still has an outperform on the stock. Yeah, it's, I mean, when you say it can't do anything wrong, that is for the moment. Um, I mean, uh, for memory, I think this, ha this one has been listed six or seven years, and, and it has already, over that period, had, had quite some uh, volatile, uh, volatile existence on the stock exchange. It's extremely um, um, what's the, cyclical. That's the word I was looking for. Um, I mean, it, 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 it listed with the promise that it is a disruptor in this, in this particular industry. It's an innovator and it quickly moved into Europe. But um, it's, we should all realize it's, it, it can be itself disrupted quite quickly. We only need a, a very harsh winter and all of a sudden the numbers will disappoint, which has happened in the past. So treat it with caution, I would say. At the moment, yes, everyone thinks that in the markets where they are active, um, I mean, the renovations will continue, housing markets are on a high, Reliance has, has done some acquisitions, have paid off, apparently management is doing a better job here, but I, I still remain a little bit cautious because of the cyclicality, it's a small cap stock, and not everything has gone right in its short existence as a listed entity. Well, cue the emails saying that the guys are too negative today because we're, it, I mean, of course we're in a cycle. We're always in a cycle. You can't ignore cycles. There's ways to make money in the cycles. Isn't there, Claude? Yeah, so there's always something that you should be buying. Um, yeah, so Reliance, uh, just in case people don't know, they're doing um, mostly plumbing stuff. So that's yeah. why, as Rudy mentioned, you know, if the renovations and the home building and stuff goes strong, then these guys should do well. And... I think um, it's, it's worth keeping in mind that there is a sort of moat there just because building up the distribution network to get your products out there is like a barrier for entry for some other large scale players to get there because there's going to be disadvantages for smaller people um, who don't have an established dis disruption, uh, distribution network. So, hey, it's like definitely investable in the sense that it's probably leveraged to something for which there's going to be a long-term growth. Um, which is like building more houses and stuff. Uh, and then it also, you know, has a bit of a competitive advantage. So that definitely makes it a reasonable company to look at. And right now, obviously, it's had a bit of a share price run. Um, it, it is going to have its ups and downs just because demand in, in those sectors are going to have the ups and downs over time. Some would argue the housing market in Australia is running pretty hot, but, you know, it, it's got exposure overseas as well. And so or rather it's mostly in the US, so I'm not sure it matters in Australia, but you know, you, you do have some exposure if there's a housing market crash in the US again. So something to keep in mind anyway. And, um, but aside from that risk, I would say that it looks pretty reasonable here. Perhaps the dividend yield is a little bit lower than you'd want. I think about 2.4% at the moment, it's probably a little bit lower than you'd want. Um, but yeah, I think it's actually kind of reasonable, decent quality business. It hasn't really done anything impressive though. So there's 
and I don't see any reason why it will be impressive and it's not particularly cheap. So I'd call it probably a hole. And, and maybe this is more of a father-in-law stock that, that would be worth considering as well. Okay, thank you guys. Thank you for that first half. Let me just run you through what we've learned. Frontier Digital Ventures, quarterly update strong, but not enough to convince either of my guests today to buy it. Um, Rudy would prefer to buy an REA group or a car sales, although um, you know it's uh, still not cheap, but it's got strong growth going forward. MyNet Phone Group for Morag, it's a hold from Claude. He is a holder of a small parcel of shares. He does though believe that it's a high quality business, could be a good long-term holding. Uh, Rudy just says you're late to the party and uh, the company's not been very well performing over the long term. It's a low volume stock, just not appealing to Rudy. Coden, so why is it so cheap? We tried to answer that question. Rudy says perhaps management is being extremely cautious in its outlook. It's pricing for zero or again at growth going forward. Rudy says at these levels it's a buy. It's not though for Claude, although it is at the top of its watch list. He'll be watching it for the next, say, six months to a year before he would decide to get in. Now, Oncosol Medical, it's that same old story we hear often with biotechs. If you don't understand exactly what it's doing, uh, perhaps you should avoid it. So it's a no for Claude. If you do want to get into biotechs, though, and you'd like to know how to value them, we are holding a special event here at Ausbiz next week in conjunction with the ASX. Go to the website you'll find out ways to sign up for that because, you know, I had a really good chat with an analyst earlier this week who had me pretty convinced there are great opportunities in the life sciences and biotech space. And it's a, a mistake to just put them all in the too hard basket, which Rudy is doing with Oncosil. He says, it's extremely high risk. There are better ways to make money out there in the stock market. And that's what he thinks about IOOF as well. Yes, perhaps there's a value play here but he says that look to hub 24 and net wealth how well they're doing they still think they've got a couple more years of pretty strong growth so iwf just cannot excite rudy a claude says rudy's actually being too nice in his assessment you can go back and listen to it again it's at best a hold for claude number five on the list reliance worldwide more excitement here from claude potentially even a father-in-law stock it's a hold for him it's not for Rudy, too cyclical. It's a small cap. It's doing well for the moment, but look, it's not as if it hasn't done anything wrong in the past. So bah humbug, Reliance Worldwide from Rudy Filipek van Dijk from FN Arena. Let's get to the portfolio, shall we? Our partner Nabtrade is to thank for this. All the companies that get two thumbs up or a buy on the day from both of our guests goes into the portfolio. If it gets a unanimous hold and it's already in, it remains there. Let's check in on performance down this week, up over the month, close to 3%. From July 1st, up by close to 17%, but from its inception, July 1st, 2020, up by 44% or roundabout there. Lately, we have put in Smart Parking, Vanguard ETF, Total US Market Shares Index, Alcidian Group, it's a biotech, Clinival Pharmaceuticals, and Phineas Corporation. I think that might have been you guys that put that in. Maybe I'm wrong. Stocks removed, and uh, no big surprise. And this happened before. The bad news this week, A2 Milk. <laughs> Crown, a bit of news out from Crown today, not admitting liability there. Star Pharma and PointsBet. PointsBet, last I checked, was the worst performing company 
today. Hanson Technologies is the next on the list. This is for Michael HSN is the ticker code. Claude, I'm going to start with you there. What do you make of Hanson? Because it had a private equity offer on the table, which was pulled. Was it a problem with the company? Does it matter you know, to shareholders? Are they potentially better off uh, you know, remaining as a listed company? What do you think? I'm not entirely sure the true reasons why um, the, the offer was pulled, but I would have, look, I think that the results that they've reported recently were very strong. And I think that this is a good quality business. And let's just talk about why I like it as a business. And, and then I guess the question is whether you, I like the current price. So what Hanson does is it has, um, it's a roll up of software companies and the, it has a particular focus on uh, software that I guess is close to where the money flow is. So they do a lot of billing software and um, uh, allow uh, from anything from uh, like telecommunications companies um, to uh, utilities and that kind of thing. And, and so you can imagine that by uh, having to do with the, the billing or the customer interaction and managing those customer accounts, they become very sticky within um, the technology stack of those large, um, usually often infrastructure style companies, because um, because if those companies were to uh, try to change that, and they might have a disruption and it will affect their collection of the actual money. So it's a high risk, potentially low reward activity to replace Hansen. And obviously because they're in this in particular uh, target niche where they want to be close to the money, it's actually hard for them to organically win customers as well. So what they tend to be doing over the years is they've been purchasing other companies in order to drive their growth. Now, if you'd asked me about a year ago or more about what I thought about this company, I would have probably been quite negative about the fact that it had to acquire growth and it didn't have really strong organic growth. That said, it does have modest, um, usually single, dis different, uh, sing single digit organic growth. So that's not too bad. But what we've seen, um, I guess, in the, in the more recent years is that the current CEO, I think, who is the son of the original founder, so this is an old school um, family run company, basically, um, he's really I guess putting more of an art onto the acquisition process and the Hansonization process, as they call it, which I thought it was a bit funny to say that, mm. but it actually shows that they've got a lot of pride in their activity of rolling up these software companies. Now that sort of bring, brings me to thinking that actually um, maybe they're onto something here because if they're consistently creating value with these acquisitions and you know, they think that they are, and, and at least some of those acquisitions have gone on to clearly grow profits, um, then maybe they're just going to be creating value by rolling up these software companies, which is arguably less risky than rolling up dentists or lawyers or um, whatever it is, because mm -hmm. it's the software that keeps the company, the client with you, right? So it doesn't matter if the software developer leaves, they're going to, they're going to retain the client that's a bit different for a dentist or a doctor or the professional services roll-ups you see where the, yeah. where the customer will often follow the individual so for that reason i actually think that i've probably been too harsh about their acquisition strategy in the past and yeah i quite like the company now it's trading on a less than a two percent dividend yield at the moment and 
you know, that's not great and that's not super attractive. But certainly, you know, if it were to be trading on a, a 3 to 4% dividend yield, I reckon I could make a good case for, for buying it as a more conservative dividend growth stock. And, and even at current prices, it's not too bad at all. It just doesn't offer that obvious margin of safety for me. So I'm sorry if I come across negative. I like this company. I'd probably call it a hold, although I would be closer to buy than sell. I, I think it's actually a good quality company. One, I like it, but it's just pricey. A lot of got everything are. in there. Um, okay, so pricey, pricey then, uh, Rudy. I'll, I'll, I'll make this one much shorter because I'm, I'm also well aware of, of, of Hanson. Um, I'm less enamored. Everyone always says it's a quality business, but in the past, it has had extended periods when it simply cannot grow. So yes, it has sticky customers, but the customers make sure that they get the benefit above anything, and it doesn't always translate into benefits for the shareholders of, of Hansen. And they, ha they need acquisitions, essentially. I mean, so as long as they can keep feeding in acquisitions, that model can, can, can sustain, and they can continue to grow their dividends, which, which they are now projected to do. So it would appear that, um, that, now, that now, let's say, spring has arrived at Hansen after they were basically in winter for quite a while. So for the time being, it would appear that that, that, that enthusiasm of Claude may well, may well be accurate here. But I also can't, I can't go past a, a, a hold here. I wouldn't chase it. And I would actually argue that I disagree a little bit with Claude on the, on the, on the growth strategy. If you really want to have a lower risk strategy, I believe, then you, then you go for a company like, for example, a, 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 a Technology One or an Objective or even a zero that can grow organically without having to buy other companies and then integrate them and then make sure that you get new customers. Okay, I'm going to say bonus buys technology one, objective zero <laughs> to keep the masses happy. Whoa, and I uh, wouldn't be chasing Hanson here. Now, Airtasker for Ryan, uh, no broker coverage. No. Rudy. Too small. Um, look, it has it has been result, uh, you know, some pretty pretty decent results, even though we've had Sydney and Melbourne locked down. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Would you buy an Airtasker? I have like a whole truckloads of question marks for a business model like this. And, and, and I mean, it's um, for me, um, no. And I don't, I don't, you don't need to be in here. I mean, okay. uh, there, there are less risky propositions. Ryan, there's less risky propositions according to Rudy. What about you, Claude? Uh, would you be buying an Airtasker? Uh, no. no. Uh, it burned $5.5 million in the last quarter on, um, I think, 6.5 million receipts from customers. So money is going out the door at like twice the rate it's coming in the door. And this is hardly a immature business. And I think it's just the same. It's actually got a similar story as what's happening with Frontier Developments is in this country on the, on the ASX, we really love any kind of network effect business um, or two-sided marketplace kind of businesses. But the quality of these businesses have, you know, it's a huge range. The highest quality ones that you're going to just keep on going up and up for decades, the lowest quality ones may struggle to ever make money. I'm not sure exactly where Airtasker fits, but I think that it's not actually that valuable. Um, I think that most people okay. who are doing repeat work through Airtasker would take it off the platform. I know that there's a bit of debate around this. But that's my view, and I just don't think it's a particularly um, high-quality business. Got it. Now, Claude, the next one I'm going to start with you, ACL, Australian Clinical Labs, because I know you like it. 
Um, so then let's get to the question, which is, you know, what do you think, and this is for Fran, at this current price? Well, I've got a bit of a nuanced response to this, so I'll try to be as quickly as possible. So first of all, what I think at the current price is that it's probably undervalued. I think it's probably cheap. But what you have to remember is that there are two ways that you could approach um, this company. One is, you know, this is a pathology provider. You want to be a long-term holder. It looks very cheap at the moment because we've had a massive, uh, you know, spike in COVID testing volumes. Um, but at the same time, most people are now expecting that the COVID testing will start reducing massively, which will definitely mean less profits for Australian clinical labs. Mm -hmm. Now, having said all that, I still think this probably looks pretty cheap long term because I still think that the base level of COVID testing um, finishes up finishes up higher than what the market seems to think. Yeah. Now, th that's one way of thinking about it, but that's not really the most exciting thing. Now, I did previously own shares in Airtasker, I mean, in Australian clinical labs, not Airtasker. And if we look at the one-year um, chart, you can kind of see how in July this year, after we had the outbreak happening in New South Wales, even though we knew automatically that um, there would be a ton of COVID testing, it actually took a while for the Australian clinical lab's share price to respond to that very obvious fact. So what I did was I jumped on that stock and started buying it as much as I could um, in, in below $4.00. And I said to myself, look, I'm just going to, or said to everyone, I'm going to hold this while um, case, yeah. while cases yeah. and testing keeps going up and up. And what I've done now is I've sold because we, we saw that, that that process ended. And now, um, obviously, things are getting better, at least in the short term. And there's, it seems likely that there's going to be less testing going forward. So I've played out my trade. My trade idea worked. It was good. Okay. But I still think it's a fairly cheap, cheap stock. Okay, well, that's an interesting one because I heard this week that Coles and Woolies, Rudy, will be offering rapid testing. Oh, well, there uh, you, you know, go. you can just go down to the supermarket and buy tests. There you go. But my, my word would be unsustainable. And the same, the same happens with Helios and the same happens with um, Sonic. We have to realize that those companies have had a jolly good time because we had so much testing going on. Yeah. And all else being equal, we know this, we are going to be less testing. Now, my argument would be that for a small cap stock like ACL, it's going to be a much larger impact. And mm -hmm. I think the market will be very cautious here and the potential impact can be quite large. Now, whether they longer term um, can, can build the business with which they're listed with ex-COVID, that's it's probably valuable uh, uh, proposition. But for the time being, there is that question mark about how much Will, drop, will, will volumes drop? And if it, if it is a little bit more than just a little, share price can, can respond quite savagely. So I, wouldn't, I would be saying be cautious. Be cautious. That is not a buy. Now, Cezil today, one of those BNPLs listed in Australia, most of its business is in North America. It came out today growing its income by 78% over the third quarter to 28 million US dollars, 44,000 merchants, underlying sales rising by more than 100%. Rudy, every time these BNPL plays mm -hmm. come out, mm -hmm. the numbers and the growth are astounding. Not profitable. Yes, yes but we, we, should, we should also realize that's because they come from very low numbers eventually. So it looks all fantastic. 
What's your biggest concern when it comes to some, I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth, no. but I mean, what would be the big risk in investing in a sezzle? That they don't have a long-term business model, basically. And, and, and the markets, you can tell this, we, we, we would all see a lot more if it wasn't for uh, an acquisition hanging over uh, the afterpay share price. The market's view on this whole sector has, has changed. We now are all aware that it's not just a, a land grab for everyone. Now this sector is changing. The big boys are moving in, the banks themselves are moving in, Afterpay will be acquired by, uh, by um, damn it, the name escapes me. Square. Square, that's the name. And, and we will have PayPal in that sector. It's not going to be a free for all. And businesses like Sezzle may never be profitable and may never get more than just a tiny little market share, which basically means there is no future for those guys. And that's what is reflected in those share prices. So I basically, my, my, favorite, my favorite observation is when you go to those new emerging tech sectors, you, you, you choose the number one or the number two, and you don't go further down the line unless you want to do a short-term trade. Well, that's the question. So this is for Tony. He didn't give us any details as to how he's potentially viewing the stock. But Claude, is there potential to make some short-term money, even if you don't necessarily agree with the fundamentals? Look at Afterpay. So I don't, I think probably there's not that great potential to make short-term money off Sezzle, although I couldn't really uh, tell you with much confidence because I can't predict the, um, I guess the hype cycle that happens with some of these buy now, pay later stocks. Um, but I think I, I came on and we've talked about this before, perhaps in April, I think it was. And, you know, I was calling Sezzle a sell then. And, you know, it was my view then as it is now that this remains probably one of the worst quality buy now, pay later companies on the ASX. Now, don't forget most of their businesses in the U.S., and if you uh, search for Sezzle and um, vapes on Twitter, what you're going to find is a lot of um, tweets about people, um, you know, asking if Sezzle has stopped um, supporting uh, vape stores in the USA because that was sort of something they did before. You know, I've seen lots of research that suggests um, that a lot of their internet traffic was coming from um, anime porn vendors as well. Oh. And... Um, I don't, I don't know if that's true, but I've certainly seen from similar web, Sezzle gets um, traffic from um, an anime shop there. And so, you know, I just sort of wonder about the quality of their customers uh, to, to a degree there. So, um, yeah, they, for me, I'd probably avoid it. It's probably not as bad now as it was at $8 and $10 and stuff, but it looks just like it just deals with a high risk. It, I mean, this is why it can charge a higher an interest rate, right? It has higher yeah. risk merchants. I think I think that's an agreed thing that that we can all just um, just face up to. So it depends if you want to have that extra level of risk on top of the normal risks you're taking with yeah. a loss making buy now pay later. Well, your verdict is avoid it. So we'll go with that, Tony. Uh, this one's for Jason, the ASX. Uh, I'm going to start with Rudy on this one, mm. Claude, our, our producer, and that's because the brokers are really split. On yes, this one. yes, and, and it, it, really be, it really comes down to the fact is, as are you approaching a stock like the ASX on, on very traditional metrics and you just put a valuation on it and you think like, well, it's expensive and, and, and I could replace the ASX here with REA Group mm -hmm. and with CBA and with Cochlear and, um, and they will all say the same thing. 
it's expensive. Yes, it's expensive, but it's expensive for a very particular reason. And that's why value investors never get these stocks. The reason why the ASX is, is being highly valued is because the world in which we live, low inflation, low bond yields, low growth, and um, uh, very short cycles, a company like the ASX, try to do business with them. If you are a website or a service um, or even a fund manager or whatever, they make you pay. And you can beg for, for a discount, but you won't get it. And, and that's because you can't get your data elsewhere. The ASX simply says, this is our price and this is what you will pay. So it has an incredible strong pricing power, which, which, which what a lot of other companies don't have. In, in the current context, if you, if you are that strong in pricing power, you, you, you will get a premium rating on the share market. Mm. Unfortunately, that means that your yield is lower than, than historically, and the share price valuation is higher than historically. Now, what puts the fear into people is like, oh, what if the premium disappears? You know what? Again, I could go 10 years back, REA Group, Cochlear, CBA, the premium tends not to disappear in those really high quality stocks that keep their market share. I think the ASX will, will, will be expensive forever and ever, and you just have to pick your point. If this is the kind of stock you want in your portfolio, at what point do you feel comfortable to add that to your portfolio? Are you comfortable to add that today to your if portfolio? Rudy? I would say I'm to hold. Get the I would say up. I would say hold uh, because if you own it, you wouldn't want to sell it. It already has come down quite a lot this year, um, but there's no reason to get rid of it either. Okay. This will remain a strong, a strong company in its right. Classic definition of a hold, Claude. Yes. Uh, look, yeah, premium used to be in a monopoly, it's not quite anymore. Chi-X was just bought by SIBO in the States, you know, like how do you view the ASX when fundamentally, if we have a lot of IPOs, we see a lot of capital raisings, which we have done, uh, it, it will be, you know, beneficial to its business. Yeah, so it definitely is going to be pro-cyclical in, in that sense. If we have buoyant market conditions, then ASX will do well. So maybe that's a trade idea. Um, for, to buy when the things are looking bad, right? If, if, if that's the thesis you want to buy when everything's slowed down and, and then ride the uplift. Um, in terms of, I guess, what what its you know strong point is, it, it is really a quasi, we'll call it a quasi-monopoly mm -hmm. asset. But the problem with a, a, a monopoly asset is that that means that it may not have invested enough in innovation and in, in, in website improvements and stuff like that. So... I think that it, it does leave it a little bit vulnerable in terms of it probably has more to lose than it has to gain here. And it's questionable whether it's invested in the right areas to make sure that it is a competitive an offering as it could be. So for those reasons, I wouldn't call it a buy. I think that there's probably a little bit of little bit more risk than people realize there. But at the same time, it's just hard to argue against that near monopoly status. So that gives it a lot of resilience as well. So as a result of that, I'd call it a hold. Okay. Well, that's great, guys. That brings us to the to the end of the program. Claude, I'll say goodbye to you first because you're joining us remote. I hope you have a really good goodbye. weekend with the fam. We'll see you soon. Thank you for having me. Have a great weekend. You too. Rudy Philippek van Dijk from FN Arena. Nice to see you in the flesh. And... Um, Nice and shorn as well for this 32 degree day. They still lowered my chair. They still lowered my chair. <laughs> All right, Rudy, we'll see you soon. Thank you. <laughs> a quick run through of what we've learned. Hanson Technologies, it's a hold for.
Claude Walker at Rich Life. Rudy says it's just a, um, yeah, he wouldn't be chasing it here. Let's say that. He would be buying quality TN Technology One Objective and a zero. Airtasker is a no from both of my guests. Australian Clinical Labs, Claude, has done his trade in that one. So that is how he has played it, although he still sees long-term prospects in it. Rudy says the days of rapid testing are here and uh, what we've seen for ACL is unsustainable. Number nine, Sezzle. It is an avoid for both of my guests. ASX, you've just heard them talking about it. It's a hold. That is our show for this afternoon. You can catch up online or via the podcast. Tell your friends about us. Tell your friends about the call. Share the love. And if you'd like a company covered, you can email us at thecallosbiz.com.au. Thank you.